In the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Then the king of Assyria sent his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. When the commander stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field, Elikim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and John, the son of Asaph, the recorder, went out to him. The field commander said to them, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have counsel and might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look, I know you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff, which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who depend on him. But if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship me before this altar? Come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses, if you can put riders on them. How then can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this land without the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Howdy, how you going? That's good. I'm going to pray and then we are going to get into this. Let's pray. Father, uh, you are the God that's in control of everything. Lord, we need your help tonight as we come to your word. Would you change our hearts? Um, For some of us, Lord, would you do that for the first time as uh, we come to trust you as our saviour? Lord, for those of us who have done that, would you help us to have a heart that wants to serve you as the Lord of our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, we're he- looking at a pretty hectic story tonight, and the question we're going to be asking is this, who's winning in life? I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but maybe it's just scrolling through Instagram or something like that, and you just look at that person's life, and you go, gee, they're winning. I don't know what it is about them, but that life is just where it's at. They've got the relationships that are just perfect, or they've got the body that's perfect, or um, those things that you wish you could have and you'd have to spend your lifetime trying to save for them, they just get it for free. What's, what's the winning life? I don't know if you've thought about that, but I don't know if you felt this tension too, because um, you come to youth and you read the Bible and you hear people talk about it, um, and people say Christians are winning. And so I'm supposed to be the one that's winning, but as I look around and I see, just experience life, it feels like I'm actually losing so often. I don't know if you felt that just recently, but um, it might just be because Christians are persecuted everywhere, all throughout history. Uh, why is there so many people in your school that don't trust Jesus? Uh, I don't know if you saw this week too with the, um, the abortion bill and things like that. It just feels like our society, it's running from God. 
Like, what's going on? Are, are we losing? And where's God all this? If he's in control, if he's, in, he's powerful, what's going on? Is he losing? Are we on the losing side? Well, I don't know if that's your question, but it's definitely a question that you'll ask in life as a Christian. Um, and it's possibly a question that you're asking if you're considering this stuff. Um, Christians look like they're losing, but if anyone looks like they're losing, it's these people in this story. So have a look at 36 verse 1. It looks like God's people are getting pumped. Look at it there. It says, In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, if you look at this map, I've got a map, King Hezekiah, he's down here in this tiny little spot called Jerusalem, right? He's the king there. Um, Sennacherib, we're going to call him Sennach, all right? Um, Sennacherib, he, um, that's Hezekiah, you'll see why he looks like that in a sec. Sennacherib, he's a snack, Sennach, um, he's an angry guy, he's in control of this massive big green bit. He's the king of that empire and he's coming down, look, he's attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Sennach, he looks scary. Um, and so leading up to this part, they've just been taking out all these places, place after place, kingdom after kingdom, all the way over there, all the way over there, and now they're coming for them and they're thinking, gee, we're next. We're dead. I, I don't know, it's kind of like, um, imagine Donald Trump really screwed up this week or something like that, and, uh, or like maybe a month ago, he pressed the big ru- big big red button under his desk or something and it just um, it ticked China off okay and so China is attacking America but they're also attacking all their allies and that's us and so two weeks ago we saw on the news that the army the Chinese army's arrived in Port Macquarie and just smashed the place last week we're all on the news and we're looking there's Newcastle smashed you can't go to Newcastle Uni anymore um But then it got worse because then Sydney got smashed. They kind of skipped us and smashed it. And now they're on our doorstep and they send a message to us. That's what's happening here. This massive army is on the doorstep of Jerusalem and they've got a message. Have a look at it in verse 5. He says, You say you have counsel and might for war, but you speak only empty words then you guys, you guys have got no reason to be confident. Even if you're depending on Egypt, it's like leaning on a splinter. Ow, that would hurt. Um, don't do that. You can't depend on them. And it actually gets worse. Look at verse 10. Not only are they way more powerful, they say, Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this land without the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. You're just like, gee, as if a big enough army wasn't bad enough, they got God on their side too. Gee, it sounds like they're losing. It sounds like they're going to get pumped and it gets really hectic. Have a look at verse 12. He calls out um, not just to the messengers, but he calls out to the people so they could hear the ones sitting on the wall and he says halfway through, like you, they will have to eat their own excrement their own poo, and drink their own urine. That's how bad it's going to get. You've got to eat your own poo. That does not sound good, right? Um, But the message is this. You guys are stuffed. Could you imagine that? Just surrounded by this huge army, and they have just pumped everyone, people stronger than you, and yeah, you're thinking we're next and we're dead. 
You'd be shaking out of your boots, wouldn't you? Like an army like that. It would just scare you. It would scare you big time. You'd be freaking out. Like staring out your bedroom window and just seeing people that are just hell-bent on your death. That would be scary. You'd be freaking out. And that's what happens. Have a look at 37.1. King Hezekiah heard this. And he tears his clothes, puts on sackcloth, and he goes to the temple of the Lord. That, that's what you do back then when you're scared and you're freaking out. And, but also, when you're broken. It kind of sounds funny, all this, but it's, it's hectic. He's going, oh, I'm going to die, my family's going to die, all my people. That's full on. What do you do when you feel like you're losing Well, the thing we're going to see tonight, the first thing, is that God always wins. So trust him. So after Hezekiah freaks out in this story, um, he gets a message from Isaiah. Have a look at verse 6. Isaiah said to them, tell your master, tell the king, this is what the Lord says, do not be afraid of what you've heard, those words which the underlings, just the messengers of the king of Assyria, have blasphemed me, God says. They're not just talking against you and your power, they're talking against God's people and God's power. They're blaspheming God. And so, what does Hezekiah do after hearing that? Uh, Because what would you do? You've got this word, trust God, don't be afraid, but gee, that army's there... That would be pretty scary, wouldn't it? But God always wins. Have a look at what um, what happens with Hezekiah. Um, In verse 14, he gets another letter from Sennach, um, and it's a bad one. He says, hurry up and get this over with. I'm going to destroy you. And he reads that letter. Then verse 15, Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. He says, Lord Almighty... The powerful God, the God of Israel, this people that you've chosen. Enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to all the words Sennach has sent to ridicule the living God. It's true, Lord. The Assyrian kings, they've laid waste all these people in their lands. They've thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. For they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you, Lord, are the only God. That's a pretty hectic prayer. He, he, he's trusting God because he knows he can't do this and he's depending on the powerful God, his God, to save them. And you see what happens. Um, God sends a message about this Assyrian king um, and if you look at verse 36, the end result, um, 37 verse 36, he says, Then the, Lord, the angel of the Lord went out, look at this, He put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, there were all dead bodies. God always wins. Always wins. 
the, the Assyrians. They've been crushing the nations for centuries, but in a moment, the God of nations crushes them. God always wins, so trust him. But this is nearly 3,000 years ago this story happened. And I don't know about you, but you, you read this and you could be left asking this question, what happened to this God? Where's he gone? Because um, people are still bad-mouthing him like this all the time. Why do God's people still suffer? Um, it seems like Christians miss out on the good life. If God's always winning, why doesn't he answer our prayers? What happened to this God? Where did he go? I don't know, maybe it's kind of a little bit like these guys, right? Um, they were big ones. There's Batman, Superman, The Flash, and I guess that's Robin or something like that. They were big ones, but now Superman can't even fly. He's got a, um, a crane to kind of hold him up, right? Um, Batman's fat, he's no good anymore. Um, these guys used to be good and powerful. They used to save people from baddies. Is this kind of like what happened to God? Uh, maybe Satan's too strong now. Or maybe just people in our world, they're too bad. Like God couldn't do anything with the people in this kind of a world. They're too bad. But you keep reading even in this story. God's just smashed them. But at the end of um, chapter 39, you see that Babylon's going to come. Yeah, Assyria got dealt with. God defeated them. But Babylon... They're coming, and they're going to destroy God's people, and that happens. So what's going on? Where is this God? Well, the problem here, it looks like Assyria is the problem, this massive army, but they've actually got a bigger problem, and that's why Babylon comes. Their problem is that they have a broken relationship with their God. They've rejected him. Their biggest problem wasn't sorted out when the Assyrians got smashed. See, see, God is still the powerful God, but today he has won a bigger and a better battle. Uh, We don't have an army surrounding us like they did, but we still have this big problem of sin which tears our relationship with God. God always wins... And he's won a bigger, better, and better battle in Jesus. Let me just give you a little taste for it on the screen here. This shows you a little bit, not everything, um, the difference between um, Hezekiah and the old covenant when he lived and us in the new covenant. Um, God's salvation and God's blessing. So in Hezekiah's day, right, um, God's salvation looked like destroying the enemies like Assyria and Egypt when they got delivered out of there. But today... Jesus has destroyed a bigger enemy, death. He's destroyed it. He's destroyed sin's power over us. He's um, destroyed the punishment we deserve because of sin. And God's blessing back then, uh, well, they had safety from the nations. They trusted God and he fought their physical battles. Today, we don't have peace from the nations, but we have peace with the God of nations because of what Jesus has done. God has won a bigger and better battle because God always wins. So trust him. Christians, when you feel like you're losing, we need to remember that this powerful, sovereign God that we read about 
has now, because of Jesus, become our heavenly Father who loves us. Who loves us so much that He sent His Son to die so that we didn't have to face His punishment that we deserve. See, Christians, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. You won't see that as you scroll Instagram, but it's yours in Jesus. God always wins, and he's not holding anything back. Um, If God gave his son from you, he's not holding back anything from you that's good. He'll give you everything, and some of that we'll have to wait for. Some of it we can have now. But we have eternity in perfect relationship with God to look forward to. God always wins, so trust him. And if you trust him, it'll mean you pray because prayer is trust in action. Uh, When you realise, like Hezekiah, that you're helpless, trust in God, the powerful one, makes sense. Uh, And listen, have a look again at um, 37 verse 18. 37 verse 18, have a look at it again. Sorry, verse 20. 21. (laughs) We got there eventually. So um, Isaiah, son of Amos, sent a message back to the king. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, because you have prayed, because you pray to me concerning this king, because you pray, that angel of the Lord came and destroyed them. Because you prayed. Um, God acts because he asks. And James 4, it says it in the New Testament too, that um, James 4 verse 2, you do not have because you do not ask. See, God, he's the sovereign God that plans everything, but he even plans things through our prayers. Our, Our prayers can be part of God's plans. Imagine, right, if Hezekiah didn't pray. God has a plan, but God wants to do things through our plans. Through our prayers, sorry. So who are the people that God wants to save through our prayers? The the people that he wants to transform. Prayer is trust in action. Um, It's not like we're less desperate than Hezekiah, are we? God isn't less powerful either. Um, We have the desperate situation where we're surrounded by hundreds of thousands of people that aren't saved. Uh, We have the desperate situation where I'm a sinner and I'm trying to grow more like Christ. How am I going to do that? If we realize how desperate we are and how powerful our God is, we'd pray. And maybe you should start getting into the habit of that, that after youth or something like that, every week you just find someone, chat about life and pray together. Or maybe you need to find a time during your week where you can make that happen. But if we trust God... And he always wins. We'd be people that pray. But God winning doesn't win for everyone, does it? See, God winning here means that the arrogant are crushed. See, God wins. He always wins, which means arrogance is actually stupid. Uh, you, you look at how arrogant this snack bloke was. Um, 37 verse 10. Have a look there. He says, Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, don't let the God you depend on deceive you. Don't let God deceive you, he says, when um, he says to you, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. And he says, surely you've heard. 
what these kings of Assyria have done. They've, they've smashed everyone as if this God can defend you. No God saved anyone. Why would you depend on this God? He's saying he's actually more powerful than God, that God can't stop him. Now that is stupid, isn't it? Does he realise who this God is he's talking against? Um, verse 26, have a look at 37, 26. God says to this Sanak bloke, he says, Have you not heard? God says, Long ago, I ordained all this. I mean, days of old, I planned it. And now I have brought it to pass that you turned fortified cities into piles of stones. He's saying, It was my plan that you smashed everyone. My plan, my purpose, not your power or cleverness. It was God. That's massive. And, and the worst thing is that Sanak's doing is he's claiming God's plan and power as his own. That's stupid. It's arrogant and it's stupid. And so what does he get for all that? We'll um, have a look at verse 38, chapter 37, verse 38. He gets punished. One day, while he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nisroch, his sons, great names, Adremolech and Sharazah, killed him with the sword. His own sons kill him. Arrogance is stupid. Like, yeah, he's powerful. Look, like his empire was massive, right? But compared to God, he's nothing. So, I don't know, have you guys seen this guy, Conor McGregor? Um, like, look at his little look. He's doing. He's like, he just thinks he's the king of the world, right? Um, I don't know if you don't actually listen to this guy talk because he's foul mouth, but um, he just thinks he's awesome, right? He thinks he's a legend. He's actually got knocked out a few times recently, but um, he you you hear this guy talk and he just thinks he's epic, and I reckon he'd probably fight anyone because he thinks he's that good. But imagine if we put him up against this big bonsa gorilla, like. That ain't going well. That gorilla is not tapping out, ever. Um, that will not go well for Conor McGregor if he faces that gorilla. He's going to get pumped, right? Um, arrogance, what Sanak's doing is this, but just on a massive scale. Arrogance is stupid, which means that we have a problem. Because we're probably more like this Sanak bloke than you actually think. We're, we're arrogant. We boast and we post about our ability, our, how good we are at that sport, our marks, our talents, um, our voice, my ranking on Fortnite. Um, every single thing we have, though, is from God. Like, as we boast about stuff, God's just saying, Oh, was it you that knit yourself together in your mum's womb? Oh, okay, was it you? You decided your personality that people would like and make you popular. Oh, it was you, was it, that made you live in that place and get that education and have those opportunities that you didn't earn. And God's just thinking, hello, that was not your power, it was mine. And the problem is, we boast in this stuff without thanks to God. And, and it's exactly what Sanak's doing, claiming God's power as though it's ours, and, and trying to make us look good instead of him. It's his power and not ours. So God, too, he gives us everything for a purpose. 
Um, God gave Sanak power to smash the nations and um, to judge them, God, deliver God's judgment, and, but he did it to promote himself. Um, God gives us everything so that we might live life for him. But we live life for ourselves, don't we? Uh, check this out. Um, Romans 1, have a look, at, it's on the screen. It says this, For although they knew God, they never glorified him or gave thanks to him. See, people think sin is just um, things I shouldn't do. So boasting, we shouldn't do that. Um, but it's more than that. Because there's something we should do that we don't. So we were made to live for God, but we live our life as if it's our life and we promote ourselves as if it's all our power and we don't give thanks and glorify the God who gave us everything. Um, if you're breathing right now, it's because God making, is making you do it. Everything you have is from him and he gives it to you so that you might glorify him, but we don't. We live life as if it's our own life to live. Like Sanak, uh, you and me, we deserve judgment. And God's judgment is severe and that makes sense that it's severe because if you rob the eternal God of his glory, you'll have an eternal debt to pay. God wins, so arrogance is stupid, which means we have a problem. And it's why trusting is so important, because when Jesus died on the cross, he did it taking that punishment that I deserve for my arrogance. He did it so that instead of me facing God's anger, he takes it for me. He, didn't, he wasn't arrogant. He was always obedient to the Father, always glorifying him in everything. And he takes the place of a sinner like me and you, so that we can have his place as a righteous one, a good one, someone who lived right. Uh, you think, maybe you're out there and you think that you don't deserve a relationship with God. Maybe that's you. You, don't, you think the way you've lived, I, I just couldn't deserve a relationship with God. Do you know what? You're right. You don't. I don't. No one does but you can still be saved by trusting Jesus because the reason that's the case is because God always wins for his fame. See, God doesn't save anyone because they're worthy. No one's worthy. He does it. He saves people to show how epic he is. Have a look at 37 verse 35. 37 35. He says, I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Now, David was a guy that God promised that one day he would have a king that rules forever. That king's Jesus. Um, he's going to rule God's throne forever. And so for God's sake, for his glory, so that he's known everywhere, just like Hezekiah prayed, and for the sake of Jesus, he saves this city. And it's the same reason he saves us. God saved um, Hezekiah and his people to make his name known among all the nation, his fame, his glory. And God saves us for the same reason. You see, this, this map of the world, it's blurred kind of out there a little bit. But that map, what is it? It's the world, just in case you didn't know. Um, but 
It's not just a place that people live. That is the stage where God shows how epic he is. And not just there, all of creation, even the stars in the sky, it's all there. Everything that happens there is to show off God. Because he is awesome. And it's even when he saves us. God sent Jesus, yes, because he loves the world. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. But he also wants us to know how epic his love is. So he sends his son. So that we go, how good is God and how loving is our God? And guys, we depend on God showing off his goodness and not me and my goodness because my goodness would never get me there. If it was up to me being good enough, I'm not worth saving. But if God, if there's a God that's willing to show how good he is to save a wretch like me, then that is my only hope. And that's actually one of the reasons, if you're a Christian, that you, um, you can be confident that God will hold you to the end. Because why would he hold on to a sinner like you and me? Well, he'll do it because he's promised to. Uh, he'll show the world how good he is, that he can even save a sinner, but not just save them once, but to keep them saved. Um, Philippians 1.6, he'll carry them on to completion. Why? Because I'm going to be good enough? No, because God is the glorious God and he will hold on to me. And so I can be assured of the future that I will trust him for the rest of my days. Non-Christians, I just want to ask you, if you're not, if you're not a Christian here tonight, can you see how good this God is? Um, not just how good he is, like he is amazingly good to undeserving people. But isn't it just crazy that he wants you to know that? And it's the best thing for you that you know this God and he wants you to. He's done these things in history like he did in Hezekiah and he did it on the cross to show you his glory so that you can see and come back to him. See, all you have to do to get this God on your side is to trust him. He's a God that loves to save, but you need to trust him. Um which is just seeing my weakness and my inability to do it and seeing that he's epic and he can do it. So, so trust, it's making God your hero because you're not the hero, but God is. So when I played footy um, and I was 12 years old, uh, we had this guy in our team called Brandon Musa. He's gone to prison, I think, since then because he's a hectic dude. Um, but when we were 12... He was literally probably 100 kilos. Like, he was as big as my dad, and we were 12. And so, like, he was... Elliot, do you remember Brandon? Yeah, massive bloke, right? And he could run fast. It was scary, right? Um, And so, if you passed him the ball, he would run, and most of the time, he'd clear the field and he'd just go and score, because everyone was too scared. But some kids, right, they would get their courage up, and boom, just go flying off when they run into him, right? Um, now, imagine though, if I was on that team and I just thought, I'm sick of Brandon scoring on the tries, I want to score all the tries, and so I never passed him the ball. Our team would lose if that happened. Uh, we'd get smashed by every other team. We got this guy that could win every game at any moment, and uh, we even won a grand final once, and he had a broken thumb, and he still pretty much got man of the match. Um, 
If I'd hogged the ball, we'd lose. But if we passed it to him, if we trusted in his ability, we'd win. If I let him just get the fame and the glory of scoring the tries, I'd be on the winning team. If your life is about what you want and your dreams, if you've bought that lie that you can just be whatever you want, you'll probably realise that you're just not that special. That might be bad to say, but it's true. (laughs) Um, Or even if you are that special and you could be the best in the world at something, maybe, but an accident could be just around the corner and definitely death will take it. And worse, you'll face an eternity before your God facing his judgment because you've robbed him of the glory that he deserves from your life. But if, if your life is about God and he's the hero of your life, when you, when you live for his name and his fame, you actually win too. We sing this song um, called How Deep the Father's Love and we sing this line, it says, Why should I gain from his reward? Because when Jesus died on the cross, it was him being glorified by the Father because um, he dies in the place of sinners so that we would see how good he is and so when he resurrects, he reigns on high because he is the perfect one. He's the one that did that no one else could. He brought us back to God but why should I gain from his reward? I, I shouldn't, but I do. Uh, as Jesus dies on the cross, it shows off God's glory, but I can be saved too by trusting it. See, Hezekiah, what, why did God save them? So that God could show off his glory to the nations. But who saved? Hezekiah and all the people. If you're on God's side as you pursue his plan to make himself known you'll always win because life is all about God but is your life about God do your dreams match his because there is a purpose in this life that you were made for and saved for and that purpose is to display the glory of God to the world But maybe you haven't come back to this God. Uh, You need to see your desperate need to be saved. Uh, You have lived arrogantly as though um, your life is yours to live without regard for this God. But maybe tonight you want to trust him for the first time. In a second I'm going to pray a prayer that you can pray because prayer is just trust in action. Uh, It's not that the prayer saves you. Trust, depending on God, can save you because God saves. And so it's a prayer that just goes like this. It's going to go, sorry, thank you, please. Um, Again, this prayer won't save you, but it's a trust in action. Trust saves. Faith in God alone saves. Um, We're going to say sorry for the way we've lived that we shouldn't. And we're going to thank God that he saves us. And we're going to pray that he would hold on to us. Please hold on to us. Um, Before we pray that prayer though, can everyone else, if you are a Christian, our God is the hero. So let's be on his mission to make him known. Make, Make life decisions, make your life, make tomorrow 
about his glory and not your own. How about I pray that prayer? Um, If you've never prayed that before, we'd love to chat to you after. Um, But pray along with me. You can pray this in your head. Father, we're sorry that we've lived as though life is ours to live. Uh, We're sorry that we've robbed you of the glory that you deserve. Father, thank you so much that you're the God who saves. Um, You're an amazing God, an incredible God that saves people that don't deserve it, people like me. Father, thank you that Jesus did everything that needed to happen so that I could be saved. He took the punishment I should have had. Father, would you please help us to live for you forever? Amen.